Well, good morning. Um, I, well, I'm certainly, first of all, very humbled um, by the introduction and, and the welcome. You know, I, I think it's probably a bit overblown, you'll come to learn, but, um, <laughs> but, I, but I'm certainly grateful for that. I, I, it warms my heart. I know it warms my wife Jennifer's heart, and so, um, so, so thank you for that. And let me just say, um, I do not really have a way to, to fully express my excitement, my excitement to get to know all of you, to, to get to be here, and, and for all that God has in store for First Baptist Church and for us together in His service, and it's going to be fun. Uh, I, I really believe it. We're going to have a good time. But listen, there'll be time for all that uh, mushy stuff later. Right now, we've got some work to do with God and His Word. I hope that's okay with you. We're all right. Uh, so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to turn with me to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 5. And here in Luke chapter 5, we are going to set some proper priorities for this new year as we look to make the right follow of 2018. This is the first Sunday of the new year, and so we, we, we want to look at it from that perspective for new beginnings and, and new things that we need to analyze in our life. And so we want to make the right follow for 2018, and this is relevant for today because everywhere you turn on social media platforms, you have people out there wanting you to follow them. And I talked to Craig last time I was here, and he told me that you guys were big into Snapgram and Instachat and those sorts of things. And, <laughs> and so I know you know what I'm talking about, that you're picking up what I'm putting down with my social media game, and you know what it means to follow someone. But the obvious question I want to begin with this morning is that while you may be following all sorts of friends and families and celebrities on social media, are you truly following the Lord with your life? And that is the question a guy that I know you guys know by the name of Simon Peter came face to face with in our passage this morning. And that's the question I want you to come face to face with as well. And really I think the best way and the most honest way to answer that question is through an analysis of our priorities. How and where you prioritize your time, your talent, your resources, will give you the answer to whether you are following the Lord or, or not. So, just for example, do you prioritize time with the Lord in His Word and prayer on a daily basis? Do you prioritize your finances in a way that glorifies Him as obedient to His Word? Do you, you prioritize your gifts for His use? Or are they just benefiting you? You see, the things upon which we place true value will have the priority in our lives, period. That is just the way it is. And obviously, I'm not opening up some hidden Bible code here. But as we enter this new year that the Lord has given us, and, and make no mistake about it, that is, that is exactly what it is. It is another year that the Lord has provided us to serve Him. And I just can't believe we're going to get many more new years to enter into. But he's allowed us this one. And so we need to use this time to honestly evaluate our priorities and see if we are truly following the Lord with our lives. And I want to give you four priorities this morning to help you with that analysis. So I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm here to help. And I want you to remember that when we get deeper into this message and what I'm saying feels more hurtful than helpful. That's not the case. My name is Troy. I'm here to help you. 
But just to give you a little bit of context for our passage this morning, by the time we get to Luke chapter 5, Jesus is on the scene, man. And he was tempted by the devil at the beginning of Luke 4, and after he had fasted those 40 days and 40 nights, and he comes out of that temptation with great power. And I love the way Luke 14, Luke 4.14 puts it. It says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region roundabout. So Jesus begins to preach, he begins to perform miracles, and when we get to chapter 5, he begins this process of calling out his disciples, his true followers. In Luke chapter 5, starting verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and that's just another name for the Sea of Galilee, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and a net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want you to know this morning that we love you. We're thankful to be in your house, uh, in your presence. We know that you're here amongst us. And, and Lord, uh, we just pray that everything we do today is, is glorifying to you. It is a sweet savor uh, to you. Lord, we look forward to, to what you have for th us this morning in this coming year, and I pray that you use the Word of God to penetrate hearts and lives. Lord, I pray everything that is said is true to your Word, and everything that is done is glorifying to you. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So here in Luke 5, we see this great story of Peter, James, and John making this decision to follow the Lord with all of their lives. You see very similar stories to this one in the other synoptic gospels in both Matthew chapter 4 and in Mark chapter 1. And many commentators, the theologians that you'll read, will lump them all together and say that those are three accounts of one story. I, I personally do not believe that to be the case. I'm also not alone in that, in that view. There are many other smart guys out there that don't think they're the same either. And I'll explain that a little bit as we go through this story. But I believe what you see in Matthew chapter 4 and in Mark 1 is an initial call or an invitation. But Luke 5 is a separate and second, deeper call to follow Jesus in a life of discipleship and servanthood. And so listen, I don't, I don't know where you are at today. I don't know if you've been a Christian for many years or if you are brand new to the faith or, or maybe you are neither. Maybe you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. You have never placed your faith in his finished work. So I don't know where you're at with Jesus today, but I do know that he is calling you to something. He is inviting you to join him in some way. And maybe it's an initial call, or maybe it is a deeper call. Whatever it is, in 2018, you need to answer that call. Time is too short. We can't mess this year up. 
We don't have enough of them to spare. And the proof to your answer will be in the proverbial pudding because it will show in your priorities. How and what are you going to prioritize in 2018? And like I told you earlier, I'm going to help you out today because our, in our text this morning, it gives us some clues into what the Lord is looking for as it relates to the priorities of life. So first, number one, for 2018, you need to prioritize God's work over your ease. God's work over your ease. Look again at verse 1, and I'll show you how this priority plays out. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Okay, so from these verses, we see Jesus' ministry is taking off. I mean, like crazy. His, his congregation, so to speak, is so big that the people are so desperate to hear him speak that he's being crowded to the point of nearly being pushed into the water. So he sees Simon Peter and the other guys, and they're cleaning their nets after a long night of fishing. And he gets in Peter's boat, and he asks Peter to take him out into the sea so that he could preach to all the people gathered. And there's a certain amount of boldness that comes with that request. Because Jesus asked Peter to take him out to sea after he had already walked onto his boat. And he asked Peter, he prayed him, he asked him, because Peter has a free will, and he could say no, just as we do. But the boldness of Jesus shows that in his own eyes, he thought he was the priority. And his work was more important than what Peter was doing, or even what he was getting ready not to do. And I say that because Peter was done fishing, and he hadn't caught anything. And he was cleaning his net. So this was the end of his work day. And I don't know if Peter was like you or, or if he was like me. But, you know, at the end of our work day, we usually like to relax a little bit, don't we? Maybe even take it easy. And Jesus was saying, Peter, the work that I have to do takes priority over your ease. And 21st century American Laodicean Christian Listen to me. The work of the Lord has to take priority over our ease as well. It is time, and for some of us, well past time, to jump in the boat with Jesus and get to work. We love our convenience, we love our ease, and to do things on our schedule, or, to do, or just not do things altogether. And I'm just telling you now that you cannot live your life that way and still walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. We need to be about his work on his timing. If, even if it isn't easy or comfortable or convenient for us. I hear Christians say all the time, they'll come up to me and they'll tell me all the time things like, you know, I would love to get in, in, involved in discipleship or I would love to get involved in this ministry. It's just bad timing. Is it? For who? Is it bad timing for Jesus? Because he should be the priority. And make no mistake about it, time is an important concept in the Bible. We have been told to redeem the time in Ephesians 5 and Colossians chapter 4. We have been told to number our days in Psalm chapter 90. Paul tells us in Romans 13, 11 that, not, that, and that knowing the time 
that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. You see, I believe it is time for us to be urgent, to not be lazy with the gospel and with the Lord's work. You remember the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8? Philip was a deacon in the first century church of Jerusalem. And there in Acts 8, there was a eunuch out of the country of Ethiopia who was reading the book of Isaiah, and he couldn't understand what he was reading. So the Spirit of God led, Peter, or led Philip to, to talk to this guy. And in Acts chapter 30, the Bible says, And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Esaias, and, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? It was the book of Isaiah. But what I want you to take note in that verse is that Philip ran. The Spirit of God told Philip to go to work for the Lord, and Philip was urgent about it. He ran to meet him, because his priority was the Lord's work, over his own ease, over his own convenience. And that should be our priority too. His work should be our driving force, not our own comfort. William Bennett, many of you know of of him, he's a well-known author, political figure. He gave a lecture to the United States Naval Academy uh, on November 24, 1997. He was trying to challenge the new set of students who were going to become officers in the Navy. And in his lecture, he said this. He said, these are good times and bad times. We all know that there have been troubling, even terrible incidents here at the United States Naval Academy and at other academies as well. While we should be bothered by these incidents, we should also be bothered by the superficial, flawed analyses these events have sometimes received. Most of these bottom-on-the-limp excuse that the academy simply reflects more general changes in society. It goes something like this. There are these problems everywhere, so why not here? The academy is just a reflection of the larger larger society, to which I would respond, no, it is not. Whether we are talking about Annapolis, West Point, or Colorado Springs, you are supposed to be different. And in some ways, you are supposed to be better. It was a wise man who said that when a man enters military life, he enters a higher form of civilization. And I think he should have given that lecture to the church. You see, as as Christians, we are to be different. And with being different, we should be better. We shouldn't be okay with being mediocre and lazy. We shouldn't be okay with not spending time with God. We shouldn't be okay with the sin that we allow to be present in our lives. We shouldn't be okay with our own convenience and ease taking priority over the Lord's work. And we shouldn't be okay with it because God's not okay with it. So let me ask you, how is New Philadelphia better and more righteous because this church is here? How is New Philadelphia or Dover or wherever you may live more righteous because you are there? And I don't necessarily know the answer to those questions, but there should be an answer because his work should be the priority. And when his work is is the priority in our lives, we are different. And by being different, we can make a difference. And I know that some of you are thinking, Troy, that's fine. That sounds good. I, I would like to make a difference, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know where to start. Well, the good news is that like Peter, you just have to make yourself available. You just have to make his work the priority over your ease, and God will do the work. So you don't have to know everything to do. You just have to think of others over yourself, because that's the work of God, isn't it? Investing the word of God into the souls of men. And isn't that what happened in our story? Jesus was preaching to the people. 
And Peter got to participate in that because instead of only caring about his own ease and his own comfort and his own schedule and, and, all, and the, just the things that he wanted to do or even felt like he needed to do, he thought of the people that needed to hear Jesus. And he esteemed them higher than himself, Philippians chapter 2. And you say, well, Peter didn't say anything. It was just Jesus. And yes, that is absolutely true. But I hope the Bible students in here see the picture. All of you who have been through MTT and, and how to study the Bible, you know the Bible is a picture book, right? And that God teaches by association. They've been taught that, haven't they, Jeff? Well, what's the picture here? Jesus is preaching from Peter's boat. And Jesus was God on earth, correct? Well, where is God on earth today? Of course, he is in the believer in the form of the Holy Spirit. He is in you and me if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. So in Luke 5, God on earth was preaching from the pulpit of Peter's boat. He just used what Peter had. And guess what? In order to make God's work the priority over your ease, all you have to do is make yourself available. Think of others over yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to share the word of God with others. And like Peter, he'll use what you have. He'll use your job. He'll use your skills. He'll use your talents if you will let him. If you'll make sharing his word, his work, a priority. And what you do and what you have available to you can become your pulpit as well. As the Holy Spirit of God opens doors, you just have to open your mouth. You just have to follow his leading. And so don't use not knowing what to do as an excuse. That is selfishness. Make God's work a priority over your ease and allow God in you to use your life and what you have available as his pulpit to share the word of God with others. And then second, if you want to make the right follow of 2018, you need to prioritize God's word over your experience. God's word over your experience. That's what we see from Peter, for the most part. Look at verse 4 of Luke 5. Now when he, obviously Jesus, had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. You see, Jesus finishes his sermon and now he turns his attention to Peter and tells him to go out, to launch out into the deep, which, I don't know if you caught this, but earlier, the first request, he just told him to thrust out a little from the land. And we don't have time to talk about all that, but now he's, he's telling him to go out into deep water to cast out his nets. And Peter and his buddies, they had fished the entire night and hadn't caught a thing. And not only that, everyone knew that in the Sea of Galilee, fish were only caught at night and in shallow water. And Jesus is telling Peter to fish during the day in the deep water. So Peter's experience, not only from the previous night, but also from his profession as a fisherman, told him that what Jesus was asking him to do was crazy. I mean, come on. Jesus is a carpenter. He's not a fisherman. But I hope you caught Peter's words in verse 5 when he said, Nevertheless, at thy word. Peter said, Okay, I'll do it because you said it. And do you know what? 
that should be our response too. God's word should always trump our experiences and our thoughts. It doesn't matter if it makes sense to your human mind or not. It only matters that God said it. And if God said it, we should believe it and we should do it. Listen, this is a church that believes the book and preaches the book the right way. And praise the Lord for that. But you need to ask yourself if you personally hold that position. And when I say that God's word should take the priority over your experiences, I mean both good and bad. Peter had a negative experience in his fishing expedition the night before the event, but he didn't live there. So don't miss what God wants to do in your life today because you can't get over what happened last night. And this gives us good news. Because even though it didn't work last night, when Jesus enters your boat, it's a new day. And God's got something more for you if you'll just respond in faith to his word. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And listen, if old things are passed away, don't bring them to life again. And, and, and you bring the past back to life when you don't get over it. And, and then you just compound it when you make decisions today based upon what happened yesterday and not based upon what the Word of God says about you, about your situation, about how to move forward in life. And when you do that, you make it, it's a mistake every time. Prioritize His Word over your experiences. And isn't that what Peter said later in his life as well? In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 19? He says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They were eyewitnesses. They had a firsthand experience. Uh, Matthew 17, the mountain transfiguration. He said, For we received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. But look at verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn, the day star arise in your hearts. And Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy, and that means God's word is more sure than any experience. And listen, today we hold that more sure word of prophecy in our King James Bible. And I know your stance as a church on that book. And I want all of you to know with God as my witness that my stance on the King James Bible is exactly the same as yours. And I wouldn't be coming here if it wasn't, and your pastor wouldn't have me here if it wasn't. And that's not what I'm preaching about today. But I want you to know that about me from Jump Street. But back to our point, we have to prioritize God's word over our experience. Because listen, truly, At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we think we know. If it doesn't line up with what the Word of God says, then we are going to find ourselves in trouble. It reminds me of a story about a captain of a ship. He was sailing across the ocean, and he looks into the dark night, and he sees sees a light from the distance. And so immediately he tells his, his signal man to send them a message and tells them to alter their course 10 degrees south because they're headed right towards each other. So he, so he obeyed that, and, and, but, but promptly a return message comes, and that, that return message from the light ahead says, alter your course 10 degrees south. Well, this didn't set very well with the captain, that his command was ignored. So he sent a second message and says, alter your course 10 degrees south, 
I am a captain. Well, very soon another message was received back that said, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am seaman third class Jones. Well, now the captain's really ticked. I mean, how dare him, you know, be so bold as to, to, to do this. So as you can expect, he, he sends a third message. Knowing the fear that it would evoke, he says, alter your course 10 degrees south, I am a battleship. And then a reply comes back and says, alter your course 10 degrees north, I am a lighthouse. <laughs> you see, no matter how much you think you know, or how important you think you are, the Word of God is our lighthouse. And lighthouses don't adjust to us, we adjust to them. You know what David said about the Word of God in Psalm 119, verse 105? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's what Peter said in 2 Peter 1, 19, that, that, it was, uh, that we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. So use it to light your way. Don't trust your experience. Come on, you know better than that. And when you use it, use all of it. Not just the part you like. That's the other lesson we see from this point. Because I don't know if you caught this, but you remember what Jesus told Peter? In verse 4, Jesus said, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural, for a draft. But what was Peter's response? Look at the end of verse 5. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Singular. So Peter obeyed, but he only obeyed partially. And how many times do we do the same thing? We'll prioritize some of God's words, just not all of them. That was a very important S. That was a very important S, because look at what happened. If, if Peter had cast out the nets, plural, he wouldn't have had his net break. And since the net broke, he, he, they had to bring the fish into the boats which caused them to begin to sink. And if the nets had remained intact, they could have just dragged them into the shore. They wouldn't have had to throw the fish on the boat. And we don't have time to dive into this as, as deep as we probably should, but just know that when you don't prioritize all of the Word of God, you just make your own life more difficult. Peter caused himself some unnecessary stress because he leaned on just a little bit of his own experience and didn't take time or energy to do everything God said. So prioritize God's word and all of his word over your experience. And then third, prioritize God's worship over your expectations. Prioritize God's word over your expectations. And this is important because ultimately our relationship with God is about his glory and not what we can get out of it. Now, of course, we get so many blessings just by being in the family of God. And, and, and man, praise the Lord for that. But 2018 can't be about what we get from God. It has to be about what we can give God for us. So these fishermen, they have the greatest take of their careers. They catch enough fish to nearly sink two boats. And by the way, these fishing boats on the Sea of Galilee at this time were likely 20 to 30 feet long. So we're not talking about your little John boat. So after the greatest catch of their life, look at their response, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, 
for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of fishes which they had taken. You see, in that moment, it was not about any expectation of receiving from some blessing from the Lord. It was about worship. It was about Peter recognizing who he wasn't and who the Lord was. And what's interesting about this prayer from Peter is that it, it's a prayer that, that God never wants to hear from us. It's, he never wants to depart from us. It's quite the opposite, in fact. But Peter said it because he was astonished. He didn't know what to say. I think maybe one of the times before I preached here, I was talking about Peter. And I told you that I love Peter and I can relate to him because one theme with Peter throughout the Gospels is when he didn't know what to say, he always said something. And I, I don't know about you, but unfortunately I can relate to that. If, if you need details, you can just ask Jennifer. But Peter fell to his knees, Jesus' knees, and he worshipped. And what he said was kind of dumb because he told God to depart from him. But it came from a good spot. Because it was about who the Lord is, not just what the Lord does. And sometimes we get that messed up. We get more excited about the things that we're receiving from God more than just the relationship that we can have with God. And it's subtle, but our focus can shift to the gifts over the giver. And listen, this wasn't Peter's first time working through it. Because at the end of chapter 4, we see that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. In Luke 4.38, the Bible says, And he, this is Jesus, arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now, that's a great story, obviously. That's a great miracle. Peter didn't fall to his knees and worship Jesus there. The focus in that story was the mother-in-law and how she ministered and made them happy after she was healed. And, and again, hear what I'm saying. That is awesome. How can you not help but be happy and excited when God does something like that in your life or with someone you love? Of course, you can be, you should be. But the problem comes when the expectation shifts to thinking that God is there for us instead of us being there for him. Because the Bible's very clear about this issue. In Colossians 1.16, the Bible says we were created by him and for him. Isaiah 43.7 says, Even every one that is called by my name, for, my, for I have created him, him for my glory, for I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Revelation 4.11, For thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, you don't have to ask why you were created. And it's what this world talks about all the time. What is my purpose? Why am I here? You don't have to ask those questions. The Bible tells you. You are here for his pleasure and his glory. And so I'll say it again. The Christian life is not about the blessings we receive from the Lord. And we receive so many. And, and man, you should praise him for it. But the Christian life is about worshiping him in service to him. I mean, he, he, he bought you. You willingly accepted. You are now his. And we are the creation and he is the creator. And that's what Peter was expressing when he said, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He 
called himself a man, and he calls Jesus Lord. After calling Jesus Master, in verse 5, by the way, we don't have time for that one either, that Peter recognizes that he is but a sinful man. And therefore, being a sinful man, he felt amazed in the presence of such a holy one as Christ. And I think it's no small point that as you look at the heroes of the faith throughout the Bible, you see this same consistent theme of feeling utterly unqualified in the presence of the Lord. And there are many examples. One is Job, who had staunchly, by the way, defended the lack of sin in his life against his friends, chapter after chapter, but says this when he comes face to face with the Lord in Job 42, verses 5 and 6. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And David, who the Bible calls a man after God's own heart, called on the Lord from a prostrate position. In Psalm 86, verse 1, it said, Bow down thine ear, because he was on the ground. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Or Isaiah, who was quick, quick to pray, Here am I, Lord, send me. Yet in Isaiah 6, verse 5, said, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And even Paul the Apostle, to the Gentiles who preached the gospel with such great boldness, said of himself in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. You see, when you have been in the presence of the Lord, it becomes very easy to see your inadequacies and your sinfulness. And that's okay, as long as it drives you to worship Him and seek to serve Him. Listen, the world will tell you today, Many Christian counselors will tell you today, man, that, that you're, you're good. Everything's good, man. You need to see yourself in that light. Listen, it's okay to see yourself in the light that these guys, men see, saw themselves too, that they're poor and needy and a sinful man in the presence of the Lord. Praise the Lord that his blood covers us and we are placed in Christ. And when God looks at us, he sees his son. We can't even explain what that is. But man, when we're in the presence of the Lord, you're, you can't help but see your sinfulness. It's, it's like the judgment seat of Christ. We know from Scripture that we can obtain crowns in this life to, to cast back to our Lord at the judgment seat. And that is awesome, man. What a day that will be. But, but I have to be honest with you. When it comes to the judgment seat of Christ, the crowns that I hope to receive aren't the biggest motivator for me and how I live my life. And do you know what is? Just simply the fact that I have to stand before him in his presence and give an account for what I did in this life. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and everyone that receiveth the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. And I will be honest with you. The terror of the Lord motivates me. And what I did in service to him, was it about him? Or was it about me? 
So let me ask you, do you serve him simply because he is worthy? Or do you serve him because you think you are worthy? In 2018, prioritize his worship over your expectations. And then very quickly, our fourth priority for this new year. Is God's will over your everything? God's will over your everything. And I don't even think that sentence is grammatically correct, but I trust that you know what I mean. Look at verse 10. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And there's a lot, obviously, that we could talk about here. And I do think verse 11 speaks for itself to a certain extent. They forsook all and followed him. All the money they could have made from the fish that they caught, I mean, that's what they did. They were fishermen, and the process was fish all night. Come back, sell the fish. You know, there, there wasn't great preservation means in those times. They'd come back, sell their fish at the market in the morning. They'd clean their nets. They would go home. Uh, they had more fish than they knew what to do with, so they could have made a bunch of money from the fish they caught. They forsook all that. They forsook all the plans they had made for the future, all their dreams and desires. All. And you know what all means? All. And I told you earlier that I believe this event in Luke 5 was different from the ones described in in Matthew 4 and Mark 1. And that phrase, forsook all, is one of the reasons why. It's not the only reason. I don't have time to go through all of them, but it's one of the reasons why. And in Matthew and the Mark passages, the Bible says that when they followed Jesus, they just left their nets. But here it says they forsook all. And there's a great spiritual truth in that subtle point. And that truth is you can follow Christ without forsaking all. But all is the call to true discipleship. That is God's will. It is conformity to Christ. It is living your life for his purpose. So you might hear someone say something like, you know, if he's not if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And that, that sounds spiritual, and you could even get people to say amen about that if you really wanted to. But the truth is, I'm not really sure that that's Bible. And in, in fact, that's you know, a pretty Calvinistic viewpoint of things. Because what we see with Peter, after he forsook all and followed Jesus here, is he still struggled with the Lordship of Christ throughout the rest of his time with Christ, even into the book of Acts. And I just point that out. Because making his will for your life, your priority, is something you have to do every single day. Every single day. And it may be a lifelong struggle, but that is a fight worth fighting. In fact, it's really the only fight worth fighting. Because whatever the world can offer you, it pales in comparison to living your life for Christ forsaking all, all the gain that you can have here. Paul said he he counts it but dung in Philippians chapter 3. To to live for Christ and to press towards that mark for the prize of the high calling of, of, of God in Christ Jesus. It's worth it all. And we have so many things that distract us here and grab our attention 
and grab our focus and grab our time. And all of it robs from God what is rightfully his. His will is, 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 is worth whatever you have to give up. The opportunity to work for him. The opportunity to trust in his word and in his word alone. The opportunity to worship him. To worship a Savior. Did you hear the words of the song, the song, that last song that we sang this morning? Man, that blood that he shed for you, that he shed for the entire world. Man, if you've placed your faith, first of all, if you have not placed your faith in that, 2018 is your year. And the first Sunday of 2018 is your day. Man, don't miss God today. Don't miss him today. He's calling you today. But if you have placed your faith in that finished work, man, worship him with your life. What an opportunity we have. But we only have it while we're living here. I mean, we're going to worship him for the rest of our you know, days in eternity. But what we do here is where we have the opportunity to show him how important he is to us. And it's so much better than whatever you will forsake to submit to his will for your life. So I exhort you to analyze these priorities in your life so that you can make 2018 a year like you've never had before in the Lord's service. And I just have to say, I can't wait for us to be able to do it together. And so thank you for listening to me this morning and thank you for welcoming me and my family into yours. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Uh, we, can't express, we can't express that love like you deserve. And Lord, we're, but we are, we are thankful for it. We're thankful for the blood that you shed for us and the opportunity you've given us uh, just to, to, to worship you with our life and live out uh, your will for us. Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord, they will, uh, they will, they will do that today, that your Holy Spirit will convict them of their need for a savior we love you we thank you we ask all this in jesus name amen